The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and yes, we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Dr. Lori Hess. And uh, Dr. Hess is a board-certified veterinarian for birds and exotics. Uh, She's uh, board-certified by the American Board of Avian Practitioners in Avian, which is bird medicine, and served as the president of the Association of Avian Veterinarians from 2009 to 2010. She is also an active member of the Association of Exotic Mammal Veterinarians and the Association of Reptilian and Amphibian Veterinarians. And she is joining me now from the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics, uh, where they have just uh, experienced the earthquake that has been felt uh, throughout uh, Virginia, D.C., New York, Ohio, and North Carolina, as well as Martha's Vineyard, and as far north as right here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So, uh, Dr. Hess, first of all, welcome to the Exxon. And, uh, you know, how's everybody down there uh, just after this earthquake? We're fine. We were just a little startled because we don't really typically have earthquakes mm. in New York, so we didn't really know what it was, but it wasn't bad. Did, you know, a lot of people say that animals can tell when something is going to happen. Did any of the birds or any of the other uh, exotics that you have at the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics uh, give you any idea that something strange was going to happen? Well, our patients kind of squawk all day, so they oh, were squawking see. a little bit, but we didn't make much of it because that's sort of normal for them. But uh, when the ground vibrated a little more than it normally does, because mm. we're on a busy road, we knew something was up. What kind of birds and exotics do you take care of at the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics? 
Well, we take care of all kinds of birds, um, mostly parrots, mm -hmm. um, familiar ones that you know, big and small. Um, we also take care of ferrets, rabbits, all kinds of rodents, including guinea pigs, chinchillas, rats, mice, um, all different kinds of uh, rodents. Um, and then some more unusual things like some reptiles, all kinds of lizards and snakes, um, some amphibians like frogs and toads, and then some very strange things like hedgehogs, sugar gliders, even wallabies. Wow. wow. Were you the kind of little girl that used to bring home animals uh, every night and mom and dad never knew exactly what they were going to find in your room or in your pockets? I did bring home quite a few animals. So what was interesting for me is that I grew up in New York City, so mm. I would bring home all kinds of strange things. <laughs> and I lived in an apartment on the eighth floor of a high-rise building. Um, I did spend a lot of summers outside New York City, but um, I think my family had quite a bit to do with the fact that uh, I became a vet because they all love animals just as much as I do. What was the strangest animal that you have ever brought home? Oh, boy. Oh, that's a hard one. I brought home some toads when I was little, but I had, growing up in the middle of the apartment, we had rabbits and guinea pigs and ferrets and, oh my and gosh. all kinds of crazy stuff over the years. So I've been a, a pet parent for a long time. <laughs> Did you know from the time you were just a little girl that you were going to be a veterinarian one day? I had always loved animals, mm -hmm. and I started working in animal hospitals when I was around 14. Um, I worked in an animal hospital locally um, in New York throughout uh, junior high and high school, and I went off to college knowing that I was going to be a veterinarian. I didn't know I was going to end up as an exotic animal veterinarian. That didn't come till after graduation, but um, I knew I was going to do something with animals. Dr. Hess, please stand by. You and I have to take our two-minute commercial break. Exonation, Dr. Lori Hess is my very special guest. And uh, Dr. Hess is at the Veterinarian Center, Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics. Her website is www.avianexoticsvet.com. That's avianexoticsvet.com. And the good doctor and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't forget, you can always listen to... The Exxon Podcast with our compliments at exxonpodcast.com. And don't forget, the X Chronicles newspaper is now free online at xchronicles-newspaper.com forward slash publisher. We'll be back. Don't go away. You're the getaway car, you're the line in the sand When I go too far, you're the swimming pool on an August day And you're the perfect thing to say And you play it caught, but it's kinda cute Oh, when you smile at me, you know exactly what you do Baby, don't pretend that you don't know it's true Cause you can see it when I look at you in this crazy life And through these crazy times Exonation, Dr. Lori Hess is our special guest, www.avianexoticsvet.com Maybe I should uh, start off by asking you a very simple question, Doctor. We all know that avian is, is a bird, but what is considered an exotic pet when in, in the eyes of a veterinarian? 
Well, I treat domestic uh, or domesticated, really, exotic pets. So I don't treat zoo animals, mm-hmm. but the types of animals that I treat are everything other than dogs and cats. And they range across all different species. As I said, we treat reptiles, um, we treat rodents, and we treat um, even marsupials. Sugar gliders and wallabies are marsupials. Um, We treat ferrets, which are sort of in the raccoon family. Um, uh, Actually, they're they're in the mustelid family, the weasel family, actually. So there's a whole bunch of different um, types of animals that we treat, but most of the, the exotic animals that we treat are um, domesticated. They're small pets. They're not large zoo animals. If you don't mind me asking this question, and I hope that nobody takes offense to it, but why would anyone want an exotic pet? Like, my daughter has has a snake, and I I say, what in the name of heavens would you like a snake for? You know, like, it just lays in a tank, eats mice, and that's it. But they're very interesting to watch. Um, they're really beautiful, many snakes. People collect them and have incredible collections of all different types of species with all different colors mm-hmm. and habits. Um, some people can't have furry creatures because they're allergic. Yes. Um, some people don't have pets just to cuddle them. They really want to learn about them. Um, for many children, I get asked this all the time. I mean, it's a real learning experience. Um, for many exotic pets, they have very specific nutritional requirements and housing requirements. Even temperature and light are important when you're talking about a reptile. So it can be a real learning experience for, for kids uh, of the appropriate age. And some of them are really cuddly. I mean, bunnies are very cuddly. A lot of birds are very sweet, and, and many of the birds even can live 30 or 40 years. So long-lived pets um, are nice, too. So there's a whole bunch of reasons. It really just depends on what kind of animal you're talking about. For those of you who are just uh, joining us and you heard uh, Dr. Hesnai uh, discussing the uh, earthquake, we just got this in from our newsroom, an earthquake with a preliminary magnitude of 5.9 struck northern Virginia, and this is according to the U.S. Geological Survey. The earthquake was felt in Washington, D.C., and as far away as North Carolina and New York, and even Toronto, Ontario, here in Canada. While all U.S. Capitol buildings were evacuated, there were no reports of injuries or damage. That's from our newsroom and the good people at CNN. Um, Snakes, uh, you know, like, once again, doctor, you know, I really can't uh, blame my daughter too bad. I remember when I was a kid, I used to have a, uh, a garter snake that I called Clifford. And, um, you know, that's that's one thing, having a garter snake when you're a kid, I guess. But here she has this snake. And, you know, I never looked at the, the side that, all right, it may be interesting, but whenever I'm there, all it does is lay down and seems to sleep. You know, you can't take it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a cat or a dog or even a little uh, guinea pig. Uh do you think snakes I differ. have? <laughs> oh, okay. I differ with you because there are people that do take them out. Really? And they're loving, and they absolutely recognize their owners. And if they're kept well fed and housed hmm. properly, they're very receptive. Wow. And they really do provide love. So it really just depends. I mean, everybody has a different kind of perspective. I stand corrected, and uh, coming <laughs> from you, I will certainly accept it with open arms. Um. What kind of care do exotic pets need? Uh, do they need more care than the common, I shouldn't say the common, but your 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 average cat or dog or canary or, or turtle? Well, I mean, every different type of animal is a little bit different in the sense that, you know, depending upon what you have, a lot of exotic animals do have specific mm-hmm. requirements. Um, you know, birds need a lot of socialization. They need time. They're very social animals in the wild. They live in groups of hundreds to thousands, and most of the time people only have one or a few in their house, and they really need to be taken out of their cage. They need a balanced diet. Feeding a bird a bunch of seeds is sort of outdated, and we know now it's not appropriate for them. 
Um, reptiles have pretty specific requirements depending upon where they come from. They need a certain amount of light, um, usually a certain temperature gradient, you know, set up in the tank, heat. Um, many of them need ultraviolet light, and, and they need specific diets. And for the most part, I mean, what I do as an exotic animal veterinarian is educate people about how to take care of these pets. But one of the things that I really want to get out to the listeners today is that most people, when they get an exotic animal, whether it's a bird or a ferret or a guinea pig mm-hmm. or a lizard, um, they don't take them regularly to the vet to learn about how to care for them because that's not part of what we think about. You just go to the pet store, you pick up a, you know, a snake, as you yeah. said, and you just take it home and you, you, you take care of it until it gets sick. And then maybe you'll go to the veterinarian. Most of the time, people didn't go back to the pet store and ask for advice. And actually, it's what, what I do and what others like myself do um, is try to get people to think about regular checkups for exotic animals. So when you get that snake, you want to bring it in. You want to bring it into an exotic animal knowledgeable uh, veterinarian so you can learn the appropriate conditions under which to house it and the right things to feed it to keep it healthy. And then once a year, just like you would with your cat or dog, you come in for a checkup. Um, we do things like check the stool sample for parasites and make sure you're feeding the right things. And we can also teach you then anything that we as veterinarians have learned over the course of the year to make sure that that animal is kept safe and, and healthy. And it really um, it makes the enjoyment of the animal better for the owner. Mm-hmm. It keeps the animal healthier. And overall, everybody's happy. So animals, exotic animals need preventative checkups too. How would one know if a snake is sick? Um, most of the time we'll know because they're not eating. Oh. Um, they get very lethargic. They, they do love to eat, and when they're not eating, that can be a problem. Sometimes when they have a rep- uh, respiratory tract infection, they'll actually blow some bubbles out of their mouth or nose. Um, they'll have problems shedding sometimes. They'll retain the skin instead of shedding it all out the way they're supposed to. Um, so those are some common signs. Or you'll sometimes see even a change in the color of their skin. They can get a little redder or pinker, and that can be a sign of illness, too. You know, you and I have been talking for about 25 minutes, and I'm starting to think that snakes over the years have been the victims of a bum rap. <laughs> yeah, they have been. I mean, everyone's afraid of them. Yeah. But, you know, mostly they're really very gentle. Um, obviously, they need to be kept appropriately. They can't be stuck under the bed in a, mm-hmm. in a box. They really need light and heat and food. And when they're like that, they're very, very nice. Obviously, you don't want to have a baby or a, a young child handling a snake. I mm-hmm. mean, there's always some risk of salmonella, um, you know, bacteria with all reptiles. But as long as you're supervising even a child and you're having them wash their hands and they're not left alone with the animal and the animal's well fed, you know, reptiles can be fine even around slightly older children. How about tarantulas? Uh, I used to know people who used to have tar- keep tarantulas, and once again, I would say, why? People do keep tarantulas. I don't really see tarantulas anymore. Um, it's really hard to keep track of all the species that I treat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know people that really like them and feel that they're incredible to look at and very responsive and, and just interesting. So, yes, people do like them, too. Okay, what kinds of people are exotic pets best suited for? And uh, are, are they good for children? We talked about snakes, but what about some of the other exotic pets? Well, I mean, definitely it depends on the age of the child, and it so much depends on so many factors in the owner's life. Um, a lot of the pets that I treat uh, require a little bit more time than your average cat or dog. They need mm-hmm. to be taken out of the cage, and they need to be worked with. So, And they can't be left alone for long periods, like you can leave your cat for a couple of days with some food and water, but you can't really do that with a bird, for example, who needs fresh food and water every day. Um, so you have to kind of look at your lifestyle and think, do you have enough time to take care of this pet? Do you have the, the right kind of housing? I mean, even birds are great animals, and I love birds, and I have quite a few of my own, 
But um, when I lived in the middle of New York City, it was harder to have birds because I had neighbors, and they complained when my birds screamed at the crack of dawn. So <laughs> now I live in a house, Burby, and it doesn't matter. Um, and some of my birds actually live in the animal hospital. But those are things that people need to think of. Um, birds can make terrific pets. All these exotic animals mm-hmm. can make perfect pets under the right circumstances. But what I would uh, suggest is if you're thinking of getting an exotic pet, um, seek out some knowledge of someone around you, a veterinarian uh, around you who is knowledgeable about these kinds of animals. Do some reading, get some resources before you get the pet because you might find that it's not right for you or maybe there's a better, another pet better suited to you if you just read about them a little bit before and get some advice. You know, it's funny because uh, I have done some contract work for the SBCA as, as a communications expert and I, I'm surprised at the lack of planning or the lack of thoughtful respect and uh, experience, well, not experience, but um, thinking that goes into people when they buy a pet or when they want to adopt a pet. They really don't give it a lot of thought. For example, can I afford it? Will I be able to take the animal out on walks? Can Will I be able to feed it at a, at a regular time? Will I be able to interact with it? Do I need it? Is it a want, a desire, or is it just a status symbol? Exactly. You know, and there's a lot of responsibility that goes with being the owner of any pet that you're going to be bringing into your house and becoming part of your family. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I mean, unfortunately for the pets that I treat, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are different, and that's the attraction. They're not just a cat or dog. You know, that cool parrot is beautiful, and it talks. And these are all great features and wonderfully attractive things about exotics. Mm But people buy them on impulse. They walk yeah. into that store and they see it or their friend has one and they have to have one too. So um, with the right thinking and the right planning, exotic pets can be phenomenal pets. And I said, as I said before, some of them live, you know, 30, 40 years. So even that, you have to think, can I take care of this pet for 30 years? Um, if, I, if my son or daughter who's going to go off to college gets this pet, who's going to take care of that pet? Um, I have older clients who own these animals that have to think about who am I going to will this pet to? So these are all considerations that have to be taken into account before getting the exotic pet. But again, with the right thinking, we, we can match the right pet to the right person. It just there's so many factors, a little more so than your, you know, average dog, where you just have you have to arrange walking, and maybe you can arrange yeah. someone else to to walk the dog, for example. But maybe the bird won't be comfortable around somebody else. So that's something you have to think about too. And and I'm sure it's a lot easier to find somebody to take care of your dog than it would be to take care of your snake. This is true. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I offer at my veterinary hospital um, that I I thought was very important is a safe place for boarding for exotic pet owners of all kinds when they go out of town. Um, We all worry about our pets when we go out of town, and uh, it's hard to find someone that's knowledgeable and trustworthy. And um, so one of the things that we've designed at our veterinary center is a specific boarding room to meet the needs of all these different types of species. You know, we have temperature control for reptiles. We have actually a TV for the birds to watch because they enjoy wow. that. Um, a camera so that I can see them from outside the hospital. But these are things that after, you know, working with exotic mm-hmm. animals for 17 years and owning them my whole life, I thought, you know, how would I want to set this up? If I were going out of town, what would make me feel more comfortable? Doctor, please stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, Dr. Lori Hess is our very special guest. The good doctor is at the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics. Her website is avianexoticsvet.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 
You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Nation, Dr. Lori Hess is our special guest of this hour. We're talking about birds and exotic pets. Her website is www.avianexoticsvet.com. Dr. Hess, is there any kind of exotic pet that you would recommend over other exotic pets? I guess it really depends on who I'm recommending it for. Um, I might recommend... um, a long-lived animal, like mm-hmm. a bird, <laughs> many of the birds, to a younger person who has more of their life to spend with it. Um, I might recommend a less labor-intensive animal, uh, maybe like a guinea pig, who is a little less labor-intensive and that you don't have to um, do a lot of temperature and light regulation and stuff to somebody who uh, oh, might not be able to handle something like that, like an older person who doesn't have... Um, the ability to get down on their hands and knees and scrub out a cage or, or do something like that. Um, it really just depends on the person and their time. Um, as you said, their financial means. Um, some of these pets are quite costly, and even caring for them can be costly if you have to get mice regularly for a reptile. Um, so it so much depends on, on the person's um, ability to care for it, their, their time uh, that they have available, and their financial means. Even to bring it to the veterinarian, they have to remember that it does need regular medical care. Um, although there are good insurance plans for exotics now, too. So, unfortunately, not a lot of people know about those. But um, there are many, many factors to consider. Um, and I'm often asked about children, and mm-hmm. I think for, you know, a slightly older child, maybe, you know, elementary school and up, um, I think guinea pigs are great pets. I think rabbits can make nice family pets as long as they're handled properly. Um, there are some reptiles that are terrific, some of the smaller birds. Um, I don't think I'd recommend a very large bird for a very small child because um, birds can be startled by very small children, and they do have beaks that can inflict damage if they get, if they get scared. 
In your in your opinion, are all animals uh, do they all develop the protective uh, image that dogs do? Well, remember, a lot of the animals that I work with, these exotic species, are mm-hmm. actually prey species. Dogs and cats are predators, so the mentality is a little bit different. Um, the animals that I work with really um, are on guard a little bit more. They hide illness a little bit more, and they have to be dealt with in a very calm way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different and, and than your average cat or dog, say, the predators. Wow. It's a different way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh Senior citizens have an affinity for, for animals. You know, I, I know that there are cats and dogs and even rabbits that are brought to senior citizen homes as well as hospitals. Do reptiles have the same effect as, as the bunny rabbit would or, or a kitten or a dog when it comes to um, working with people? Mm-hmm. I think they do. I think that um, it really depends on exactly what you're talking about in the sense that there are studies that show that petting an animal can lower your heart rate and your blood pressure and that sensation of just belonging and comfort. Um, you know, as you said, it could come from a cat or a dog or a rabbit, even a bird. Um, you know, but there are also studies that show that watching a fish tank where you're actually not touching the animal can lower your heart rate and be beneficial to human health. So if you're watching a, a, a snake in a cage, as long as you're not afraid of it, yeah. um, or even a nice, gentle little gecko, for example, they're very quiet little animals and they're not threatening looking. They're interesting. Um, some of them climb the sides of the tank. Um, they're beautiful in color and they have interesting habitats. So those are interesting animals too. And I think any person who wants to find a sense of connection, yes. um, animals can be a, just a tremendous help. Wow. There are a lot of um, you know older individuals that don't have other people in their homes and their pets are their main connection. And, and it's nice for them to have that. So there's a whole variety of pets that can serve that purpose. Are, are there many veterinarians that deal specifically with exotic pets? Um, there aren't. There are a lot of veterinarians that deal a little bit with exotic pets. I mean, in veterinary school, mm-hmm. most of the time you only get a few days of education on exotic pets, and the focus really is on dogs and cats and, and some of the larger animals right. like cows, horses, and sheep. Um, I wanted to do exotic animals. I was a regular veterinarian treating cats and dogs for a while, and I went back and did um, extra training, three years of residency and internship training in exotic animals because I knew these pets were out there and I knew someone needed to care for them and I was really interested in them. So you do have to go get some special training. Um, There is board certification in different species now. I'm board certified in bird medicine, which was one of the first exotic species that was um, that a vet could become certified in. There are about 150 or so of us in the world that wow. are board certified in birds. Um, and remember, birds could be anything from a canary to a penguin to an ostrich. So I may not treat many of the birds that I had to learn about, but they're still part of the, the examination process. Um, what is the uh, strangest bird that you are, or the most exotic bird? I, sh- I guess I shouldn't use the word strange. <laughs> the most exotic no. bird that you've ever worked with. I treat a lot of strange animals. Um, Well, right now, for example, on any given day in my animal hospital, you know, we can treat anything from a little teeny finch all the way up to a hyacinth macaw, the really big big blue ones that are more unusual. Um, We treat um, ducks and chickens and roosters and geese, all different kinds of waterfowl. Um, although I don't treat them because I'm in a suburban area. There are vets that treat emus and ostriches and rheas and that family. 
Um, so there are really a whole variety of, of birds that potentially we could be treating. But in my animal hospital alone, you know, we see dozens of different types of birds every week. Um, so it makes it challenging and a little more fun. And, and the fun thing about being an exotic animal bed is that you really never know what's coming in the door. Um, for today, for example, I had a, a sugar glider here, a little marsupial. Um, I have a prairie dog that I have to do a dental examination on in a little while. Um, we have turtles and tortoises. It's really it's challenging to keep up with all these species, but it does make for a really interesting career. It, you know, it sounds totally fascinating. And what is the sugar glider? You've mentioned the sugar glider a number of times, and I'm, I'm okay. trying to try to picture it. And is it like a flying squirrel? Yeah, it looks like a flying squirrel. They're not in the squirrel family, but they all look right. like that. They're actually marsupials, so they have a little pouch. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very cute. They're very, very popular as pets now. Um, they have sort of a fold of skin that extends from their wrist to their side so that when they stretch out, they look like they're a, a, sort of a kite yes. um, and they glide. And um, they're very cute and they're a lot of fun and um, they're very, very popular yeah, as pets these days. So. good friend of mine is a, is a reporter in St. Catharines, Ontario, and he used to have a little, what are they called? A, like a little wood something or other. What's it called? Uh, um, like a woodchuck or a... No, no, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, it had spy. It, it wasn't very big. He could carry it in his top pocket. And huh. it had a long nose. And not a possum. No. Not, a, um, not sure. You, you know, you, you said it before and I was going to mention it. And anyway, this... Uh, oh, hedgehog? That's it, hedgehog. That's it, hedgehog. The little things that look like porcupines. They're yes. Spiny, but they're not porcupines. Yes. Yeah. And that little thing used to go with him everywhere. Oh, yeah, they're, they're really fun. I mean, we call them pocket pets for a reason, a yeah. lot of these animals. Um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. They, they're little prickly pets. They mm-hmm. are not in the porcupine family. They're insectivores, so they actually um, have quills, but their quills are not released, and they're a lot of fun. They're little nocturnal animals. They run around in wheels, and they're, they eat a bunch of little insects and some other high-protein material, and they're a lot of fun. Um, they're also pretty popular as pets, but, um, yeah, they definitely yeah. love their owners, and they're mobile. T- tell me, are you finding more and more that as the as society changes and that uh, society, sociologically people are moving back to the cities, away from the countries, that the type of pets that are being purchased are also changing? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Even amongst birds, we used to see many, many more um, large birds mm-hmm. being sold, and people, as you said, don't live in big places anymore. So I think there is more popularity of the smaller birds because they're easier to keep. Um, I think a lot of the animals that I treat have become popular because they can live in small spaces. At least some of them can, um, some of the ones we mentioned. And they're not hard to keep in that you don't have to walk them. You don't need huge rooms for them. They can be kept in in tanks and cages that are smaller, and they're a little less demanding in the sense that they don't take up tons of space. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think that's been one of the big things about exotic pets and their popularity over the years is that they're they're good for city dwellers or suburban dwellers. All right, let us let's say that I decide that I want an exotic pet, and I go down to my local pet store, and uh, these people are quite knowledgeable. What kind of questions should I ask them? I would ask them, what does this animal need to live in to stay healthy? Um, realize that unfortunately, a lot of the pet stores 
uh, are not totally up to date. Some are better than others, um, but some of them are still giving advice based on what we knew years and years ago. Um, I gave the example before of seed diets for birds. There's a lot of pet stores that sell seeds, and we know now that there are much better diets, formulated diets that look like little pellets um, that are sort of like bird cereals um, that are better for them. But you want to find out certainly, you know, what bird, what the animal eats. Um, you know, do they have specific requirements? How big a space do they need? Are they going to grow? Um, some little tortoises, for example, like the sulcata tortoises that you see there, they're in pet stores. Um, they start off about the size of the palm of your hand, but they can grow up to a couple hundred pounds, um, as Holy can hot belly pigs, for example. So you got to know what you're getting into. Um, you know, can you grow with pets? Yeah, I, I remember a number of years ago when the when everybody's uh, craze was to buy a, a baby crocodile or were the alligators that pet stores were selling. Then when the alligators or the crocodiles got too big, they just flushed them down the toilets. And now they're right. in the sewer systems. Yeah, no, and it's not good for the animal. It's not good for the native species and the environment. There's huge problems in Florida now because people have released non-native species of snakes into the wild thinking, oh, they'll just live in the Everglades. But they're bigger than anything else that lives out there. And there are some really large non-native species of snakes that are out-competing the, the existing native species. So it's, it's definitely a problem. So, again, you, it, it all goes down to thinking about what, is, what am I getting myself into? You know, am I going to want this pet in five years from now when it's five times the size? Um, am I going to have the, the means to take care of it? Mm-hmm. So diet, nutrition, space, light, longevity, all of these things are important. Where can somebody find, um, let's say somebody has an exotic pet, how can they find out whether or not there's a vet in their area that is board certified to, to take care of their exotic pet? Well, there are some large veterinary associations that, um, you know, not everybody is certified in that region, mm-hmm. in that area, but if you take the time and you spend the money as a veterinarian to belong to the association, hopefully you're knowledgeable enough to be able to take care of, um, you know, the basic needs of this animal. Um, there's the Association of Avian Veterinarians mm-hmm. online. There's the Association of Exotic Mammal Veterinarians that treats, you know, um, many of the common species we've discussed, like guinea pigs and rabbits right. and parrots. And then there's the Association um, of Reptilian and Amphibian Veterinarians that focuses mostly on reptiles and amphibians, like frogs and toads. So um, many of us belong to all of those associations because we treat all of those animals. But, um, you know, and then there's a, certainly a zoo uh, mammal association, too, that treats bigger things. Um, but there are groups that, you know, we, we all belong to, that we train with, we go to their conferences, we get their literature, and that's what helps us keep up as veterinarians and with all these different species. So you want to look for someone who belongs to those different groups. And you can go onto their websites, and they have listings of their members by state, so you can mm-hmm. usually look them up geographically. Uh, t- tell me, uh, is it harder to introduce a, an exotic pet into the household than it would be a, a cat or a dog? Well, um, it's just usually you, you have to have a little planning ahead of time. Um, you can introduce more than one exotic animal into a household. You can introduce exotics into a household where there are even are cats and dogs. You just have to plan ahead. And unfortunately, one of the things that people do is they get one of something. Okay, They'll get one bird or one snake or one ferret, and it's just so much fun that they want to have more. Wow. And um, they'll get another one, and sometimes these animals really don't live well mixed together initially, and they take some time to 
adjust to each other, mm-hmm. and others really don't ever adjust, and they'll fight. And you really have to look at each um, case individually. You also have to think about the fact that if you introduce males and females that are not neutered, you may end up with more than you bargained for. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you want to think ahead about you know breeding, and do you want to get into that? Um, and, and having the for these animals, and again, financially, making sure you can take care of enough of these, you know, many more than one of these, because they're addictive sometimes. Really? And, and once again, no matter if if you're thinking of getting a cat, a dog, uh, a guinea pig, a rabbit, whatever, think responsibly. Responsibility is the key word when it comes to, to pets, because what you're actually doing, and I can't stress this enough, is bringing into your family another member. It's that simple. It's just not a matter of, geez, I, I've, I've, got a, I've got a fish, a clownfish, that looks like Nemo. No, you've brought in another member of your family that you are responsible for. So before you buy yourself a pet of any type, please give it some serious thought. Dr. Lori Hess and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, for more information, visit Dr. Hess's website, avianexoticsvet.com. Don't go away. Back to the Exxon, everyone. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Dr. Lori Hess is our special guest this hour, www.avianexoticsvet.com. Before we get back to the good doctor, just a reminder that uh, this coming February 17, 18, and 19, I will be the Master of Ceremonies at the Body, Soul, and Spirit Expo that's being held at the International Center, 6900 Airport Road in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information on how you can buy tickets now well in advance or become an exhibitor, they do have a few booths still open, uh, Chandler was telling me the other day, www.bodysoulspiritexpo.com. Com. First of all, Dr. Hess, I want to thank you ever so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the X-Zone. Um, what are the final words that you would like to leave with the X-Zone Nation tonight? Well, I just want to reinforce that I love exotic pets. My whole career is on exotic pets. It's all I do all day. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful animals. They're exciting. They're attractive. Um, they're interactive. And I encourage people to get exotic pets, but as we stress this whole hour, um, it, you really have to do it responsibly. You, you must think ahead um, if you have the appropriate 
housing and mm-hmm. finances and time and all the factors we've discussed to make this relationship work for you. I encourage you to seek out veterinary advice both before you get the pet and immediately after and, and every year after that. And that way you can have a healthy, happy pet in a good, stable home and they can enjoy you and you can enjoy them and everybody does well. Something else that a lot of people do not realize, Doctor, and I don't know if the same goes for exotic pets, but on, on certain holidays, for example, Halloween, with all the people coming into the house dressed up, uh, rocking the, the little pet world, it, people are always advised to put their, their dogs or their cats into rooms away from the front door where all these kids are coming in and, uh, you know, yeah, and, and you know, yelling trick-or-treat or whatever. Does the same apply to when people come into the house when it comes to exotic pets? Definitely. I think, you know, holidays like Halloween and Mm -hmm. Christmas, when there's a lot of activity and a lot of stuff in the house, we want to make sure we keep things away from our exotic pets. There's a lot of treats that are inappropriate for pets that can be really toxic to them. Um, birds get everything into their mouths. They chew on everything in sight and you really don't want them to get to the, you know, to the Christmas tree or the Halloween candy. Um, you know, it's, it's fine to supervise time with friends and, and strangers in the house mm-hmm. when you have that an exotic animal, but they do get startled because, again, they're the prey species and we don't want to rock their world too much that we upset them. So. Doctor, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, let our listeners know how they can contact you for more information. Um, you can check out our website, as we said. It's www.avian, A, V as in Victor, I, A, N as in Nancy, the word exotic with an S on the end, vet as in veterinarian.com avianexoticsvet.com and you can also check us out on Facebook at the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics. Dr. Lori Hess, thank you very much for uh, joining us this hour and uh, continue the great work. We're glad you're out there. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Good night, Doctor. Exonation, Dr. Lori Hess has been my guest once again. Her website, www.avianexoticsvet.com I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues where we're right here from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.